Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. Amy, you're back for <laughs> one more goodbye pod. <laughs> so um, just to let everybody know, Amy is leaving us officially. And so we brought her back for one last pod. And so tell us what what's going on with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just kind of feeling a bit burnt out work with work and juggling different things so i'm just gonna try to scale back my commitments i feel like that's not an uncommon thing for no folks or i feel like you hear that a lot these days and yeah, yeah it's hard it and i just want to say like it is a lot of work like it's a do, lot of extra work doing the podcast like i just feel like to do it right you need to have um more time to devote to it to prep and to um to do it well and i don't ever want to sort of like coast on the work that you were doing which I felt like I was doing sometimes and mm-hmm. um yeah I don't think I was hold, holding up a fair fair end of my commitment to the podcast and, and I know there are other people who can contribute better than I can on this kind of a platform so I'm very happy to step aside well I don't know about better <laughs> but yeah. uh I think you brought I think you brought a really really good sound legal mind to the podcast from and it wasn't a legal mind as in uh I got mine mm-hmm. so I'm good mm-hmm. so I think that like that's what I appreciated from like your contribution mm-hmm. it was unique it was valued is still well I'm happy to come back if there's ever specific I feel like you whatever, need to be I, a legal I, correspondent it's, it's not yeah it's not for a uh, lack of wanting to do it and I think um obviously the objectives of the podcast are like of bad and bitch are very lofty and important and i do think that what you're contributing and what we were contributing to the media landscape in canada is like very sorely needed and i really enjoyed writing as well for the hill times and yeah i think all of that is just so important um but i just don't know if i'm well placed to do it but if i can help in any way in the future i'm I'm totally there you don't don't you have to ask twice (laughs) i will be calling on i i I really do i i really do think that that was you know i thought that you challenged me Hmm. and um i appreciate that because do you know that to uh, let me tell you how inspirational your 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 like advocacy was so when i was writing about what's Owatin and, and what what's going on over there. You know where I started? I mm. started that the podcast mm. that we did last year, the one that you fought to add this in, this specific mm. situation in, and I started from there. Mm. And so I felt like you also so that's a meaningful that's only one of the ways that I can point out mm. like your your meaningful contribution was really like Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, likewise, I've learned a lot through all of this. And um, yeah, I think it's sort of changed to like the the way that I look at issues, the way that you've presented them, especially on. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Awesome. So uh, I'm going to do a little admin. Uh, So uh, our politics and culture are fucked up and um, women are still treated as a luxury to the patriarchal system. 
and not the core of an equity system. So we are asking the bad and bitchy community to support us in the work we do, contributing to our Patreon as little as 5 or $10 a month. So our Patreon is patreon.com slash bad and bitchy. So we already have two winners for our giveaway. We're giving away two uh, copies of Desmond Cole's new book. His new number one bestseller, at least it was a bestseller last week. Anyway, uh, congrats to you two. Uh, we'll get those out to you quickly. So lucky. Such a brilliant book. Oh, ha- did you read it already? I'm halfway through. I'm, I read it. I'm reading chapter by chapter. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really good. Yeah, I, it's I, pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, the depth of the research and just the the interconnected, like the way that the chapters are woven together and um, feel like thematically, it's just like yeah, it's kind of yeah, kind of fucked me up actually reading it. But anyway, it's it, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot, and it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Like honestly, it, it is structurally. Um, it's like interconnected tissue. Mm-hmm. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's, there is mm-hmm. an overall arc and mm-hmm. within each chapter mm-hmm. it's, and they all play off each other. Yeah. It's really, really brilliantly yeah. structured and brilliantly written. All right, let's get into it. Uh, this week in feminism. So super Tuesday happened and s- <laughs> apparently I think April, no, sorry. March 10th is the next one. Yeah. Michigan. In Michigan. Be, yeah. 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 Michigan probably a couple other states but yeah I only see Michigan in my time yes you do (laughs) okay Miss Detroit now yeah (laughs) (laughs) I wish (laughs) all right so let's break down the vote uh black voters across eight states with a sizable black populations captured in exit polls voted for Biden so basically black voters overwhelmingly voted for Biden Biden apparently got 61% of the African-American vote, bolstering his electability arguments centered on his connection with black people. So the most loyal constituency in the Democratic Party. Also want to remind you, and that's why the black vote is an important vote to Democrats. So he got 58% of the black vote in Texas, 60% in Virginia, 62% in North Carolina and Alabama, 72%. The results in Texas and North Carolina were especially notable given the prevalence of early voting in those states Hmm. where hundreds of thousands of ballots were cast before Biden's South Carolina surge. So Latinos are expected to compose the larger block of non-white eligible voters in 2020, and they have played a huge role in Sanders' success so far in the Democratic primary. Um, after helping Sanders secure Nevada two weeks ago, Sanders won about half of Latinos in California, according to exit polls. In Texas, where Biden narrowly won, Latinos went for Sanders 39% to 26% for Biden. North Carolina was the only state where Biden ran ahead of Sanders among Latinos, according to the exit poll, though those results were pretty close within the margin of error. Sanders won college-educated white Democrats in his home state of Vermont and two states with significant early voting, California and Colorado. Biden swept nine other Super Tuesday states among that group of voters, according to exit polls. So let's um, so I have about three more stats to go, but let's break now. 
and just kind of start out um, with saying that it's very interesting to see how a non-white vote is usually a monolith mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. in you know, especially in reporting yeah. on exit polls and primaries. This really goes to show how different these two groups are, um, blacks and Latinos, especially in that split. Mm-hmm. And what I also found interesting was the generational I was going to say, yeah, there's a huge... There's a huge generational, generational divide. Yeah. So the younger the votes got the stronger Sanders got. For sure. Yeah. In California, Sanders won 57% of voters aged 18 to 29 and 52% of those ages 30 to 44. Yeah. But less than one quarter of Democratic voters are older than that. Mm-hmm. That's the and that's the turnout question. Yes. Which I guess we'll get to, but yes. but that that's part of, that's part of it is that uh, the older vote is just more reliable. So yes. that's why Biden has a bit of an edge there because he's capturing the more steadfast voter, the folks who are already registered and have come out every election without hesitation. Unlike young voters, where there's a bit more so flexibility one, in the number. So one might think the ones more entrenched in the process. Yeah, basically yeah. the ones who have access to be entrenched in right. the process too. I also want to point out that Biden and Sanders basically tied for the, and I say basically, it was pretty close for the, I think the under 30 black vote, mm. I think it was in South Carolina. Right. Yeah. So there is even a story within those stories. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if this is a silly thing to say, but in terms of black voters, this assumption that they will win Biden the presidency, I mean, they'll win him, they might win him the nomination yeah. as a block, but it's not like there's a chance that black voters are going to flock to Trump. Yeah. If they don't get the nominee that they want. Yeah. So I'm not really sure how much how valuable it is to say Biden is therefore more electable because black voters are behind Biden. I I think I'm not saying that they should be taken for granted as voters. I mean, but that's what the Democratic Party has always done. That's why they're the backbone of the Democratic Party is because they I mean, we shouldn't say they as a block will always vote one way. But if you are looking at those patterns, I don't think there's a chance of losing them to the other side either. Yes, their big play is to stay home. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. Yeah, and yeah. and so, but in, in the last nominate in the last uh, general, the support went to Bernie. So it's not. So I mean, this is the problem. Like, if there was ranked balloting, we'd have a better sh- chance right. of assessing that because I think for black voters, it's not like Bernie's a far off second. Mm-hmm. Or, or sorry, a far off like last cha- last option. He's probably a close second to yeah. Biden in terms of preferential voting. So I don't think that's like he he's going to turn people off. Right. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying because that's where support was. Like people were not behind. Like I guess black voters were not behind Hillary last time in the way that no. they were behind Sanders in the nomination. And so. and I would also like to point out that that was very gendered too. Right. So black True. men stayed home for right. Hillary yeah. for, for the most part. Yeah. And um, black, yeah, women black women yeah. who came out and voted for her yeah. reluctantly. Reluctantly, some, yeah. Yeah, mostly reluctantly so. Yeah. But really it's black women that's the backbone sure. of the Democratic Party. Sure. And it just goes to show that I personally think the black 
now this I have no evidence whatsoever, but I think the 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 male black vote is probably softer right. than the female black vote. And the ability to turn out, I mean, it's its easy to see why Hillary didn't turn out black men mm-hmm. um, when you start looking under the, you know, under the hood. Yeah. In terms of the pol- like the right. Clinton administration policies yes. on like criminal, the criminal justice system exactly. and other things like that. The, yeah. yeah were the 94 crime people. bill. Yeah. And the 94 crime bill became an issue because of Black Lives Matter. Right. Like yeah, it totally. was their activism yeah. that put yeah. that front and center. Well, I'd like people to interrogate Biden more about the Anita Hill thing. I would because too. I think that I think I, I, you know, I mean, he's he's just. And again, I'm not not to disparage any voters for why they vote the way that they do, but I find it frustrating that Biden gets to ride Obama's coattails and has never and and has done all sorts of problematic shit and has been a power player in the democratic party to only self like only for the purpose of self-promotion and then he has all sorts of these types of incidents and they need a hill being very public and as of just a couple years ago her saying he's never apologized to me and the statute of limitations on apologies over i think is what she said Mm -hmm. and he still has no appreciation of his role in any of that i don't think he has an appreciation from his role of any shit he's done no it, absolutely not i will yeah. be honest with you i'm no biden fan no and uh Sorry, I, he's my anti-biden bias uh, yeah. <laughs> i mean my i bad you know you know I me. Have, I, I, I think they all suck but yeah, <laughs> in different sure, ways sure but you know biden is is very problematic yeah. in terms of that unfortunately it seems like people don't even vote on that no. this whole idea of electability yeah it's uh, it's garbage it, it is garbage it is it is something that i think had been constructed by the press right soon after 2016 mm-hmm. and in 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 some way shape or form they have decided that who is electable is as um as close to the status quo mm-hmm. as possible. Which is ironic because by the same logic, Trump would never have been electable. Right. And, and the same pundits who couldn't call Trump's election are now trying to determine who is the most electable person from the Democratic side. It's like, why should we fucking listen to you? Right. Because, I mean, we also, we can't predict. People will vote how they vote, which is good. People should vote their conscience and people, people for whatever reason, voted for Trump. But now you're saying telling us there's some sort of predictable formula that people can follow to elect a Democrat who would beat Trump. It just seems like it seems that, that's been that's been you know that's been fo- that that idea has been foiled. And I mean it's the same thing that we talked about in the Canadian general, which went kind of the other way in the federal election. The idea of um, I think in the Canadian federal election, we obviously we talked a lot about that. This idea of splitting the vote. It's kind of a similar similar idea. You're trying to think about who is more electable and hedge your bets same. that way. Yeah. And to some obviously to some great like great extent, the liberals um, succeeded where they would have otherwise lost in convincing people to vote for them as as the the lesser of or whatever the most predictable in terms of electability in sort of defeating the it conservatives was. and they it worked made a whole electability yeah. argument and they, and too it, yeah. and it worked to some degree although I mean it didn't get them uh, as far as you would expect but, well pim pim but <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> um, yeah like I I think that you know it's funny to me that it's almost as if okay so allow me to be a little tinfoil hat here <laughs> um it's almost as though 
the press sets up the parameters and then in order to predict to later predict like using those parameters Mm -hmm. and so they're setting up the sort of experiment or 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 the statistical map or the statistical the population right um in order to be more predictable with their predictions do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like but you set up the you set up the table right and you're surprised when people eat from it like yeah you know what i mean and i feel like that's part of their kind of thing right you know because they can they can say oh so and so selectable and so and so selectable because of x y and z you that after you hear that 400 times yeah and they give them and they give them minds. yeah and they give them airspace on the basis of the fact that they think they're electable and they don't give airtime to people they don't think are electable exactly and they, you know and and the dnc has a role in that in terms of who's invited to the debates and who's not and that's and, right you know like bloomberg can buy his way into anything and in the end he was like trailing everyone well you know like it's like that sort of thing yeah but yeah. he appears elect he appeared for a period to be quote-unquote electable. i don't know how michael bloomberg appeared electable <sighs> Like what yeah. the fuck was that? Wild. Yeah, I don't know. In 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 a play in a in a party where we just talked about black voters, you're going to you're going to allow Mr. Stop and Frisk to like enter the race, yeah. no with with his with his checkbook mm-hmm. and then I don't believe all these polls that said that black people were warming up to Michael Bloomberg. I, I don't, really there's don't. no world in there's which that's no possible. World in, I can't stayed, imagine if they stayed home. Yeah, if black men stayed home because yeah, of the he'd night be before be, he'd be better crime off. bill. Yeah, do you honestly yeah. think? Yeah, they're not going to go. They're not going to sh- shun. Uh, but they'll take yeah. his money. I get that on some level because. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a few um, outliers. I'm, I'm in thinking this. about Stacey Abrams. Sure, yeah. there were a few um, outliers in terms of the primary that. I think kind of disproved this idea of electability. I am, um, you know, say what you will of Andrew Yang, but obviously he did something different and like excited people and got people out and he lasted much longer than anyone else thought he would be. And, you know, th- like I find that way more exciting than to have suits like Bloomberg kind of like just dumped in at the last minute and given as much airtime as everybody Andrew else. Andrew Yang was the only one talking about the fundamental change of the economy. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge issue. Yeah. And yeah. it's a worldwide. And he took a lot a of risk and he phenomenon. like, yeah, yeah, and he ran a campaign totally differently than anyone else in terms yeah. of what his stops were like and his fundraising yeah. model and everything yeah. else. And, you know, I mean, the it would be nice if the field were more open to possibilities like that. I thought he was exciting. Yeah, he was very I, excited. I thought he was talking about things, whether or not I agreed with him. No, but you or knew not. his message. Like you, everyone yeah. knew what he was about. Yeah. At the end of the day, he was talking about something that most um, politicians don't want to talk mm-hmm. about. It was a very audacious idea, mm-hmm. and it it stuck with you. And honestly, someone's going to pick it up. Like so, yeah. someone will champion that, and Andrew Yang will be on their team. How is Tulsi Tulsi Gabbard still? Oh, in it's unreal. It's wild. I, I don't I know how. Know. I thought that there were cutoffs for these things, but I guess you just pull out and you can't participate if you don't meet certain thresholds for the nom- for the debates. But you are still on the ballot. Oh, okay. so the oh, cutoffs for the debates and things like that are like fundraising or support cutoffs, but it doesn't mean that you're not still on the ballot until until you withdraw. I mean, I don't know. She's she's. 
a character like i don't know what her calculation is or why she went into it in the first place i have no idea and in the end didn't she have as many delegates as warren did because she won one primary or something like that she has two she has two and and warren had like a, a handful few more. a yeah. few more yeah. but they i guess at one point on super tuesday they were like neck and neck but anyway so yeah, yeah let's talk about warren <laughs> yeah. so where do you want to start uh, i didn't watch saturday night live by the I, way i haven't watched it yet i do typically watch it sunday at some point yeah during the day on the global tv app um yeah i i mean i think she's definitely in a difficult place in terms of who she who is she going to support i think in terms of the timing and when she does it, I, th- I I do think it was unwise for her not to do it at the beginning of the weekend because of the primaries coming up. Um, she started off as a big ally of Sanders and they were kind of partners in the set and then to kind of sit on it and wait and possibly not endorse, I do think is pretty self-interested. Well, yeah, I mean, she has leverage, so she's going to use it. Um I'm not sure what for, mm-hmm. and that's up to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't imagine she has a friend in Joe Biden, and I don't think she should want to be no cozied up with someone like that anyway. And no. she's her whole her whole identity is around, and like her whole new identity. Obviously, she had a different identity at some point where she was kind of more aligned with power, and now she's characterized herself as someone railing outside of power. And I think that kind of she's exposed as being disingenuous if she doesn't uh support sanders and that may sound like a cruel thing to say about a person but i mean she was in this race she want she wanted to to influence some sort of political outcome just because she's not the nominee doesn't mean she can't and i think to do to do otherwise is is pretty self-interested Andrew Yang also didn't nominate, didn't support anyone, but at least publicly said most of my people are going to be Sanders people. They're not going to, they don't, they're not followers. I don't believe that they're followers, mm-hmm. but you know, you know what, you know what my values are and you know, folks will know what to do on their own. Like I kind of respect that, but he didn't have the clout that Warren has. Um, and it wasn't as far in the race when he said that, but so, I mean, I, I get the perspective if her, if her message was, I don't believe that people should follow me and i'll endorse when i endorse that's fine but it does seem kind of a waste to use um her her capital and not canvassing for sanders um this weekend but i think that especially with the joe mentum or whatever the fuck they're calling biden's uh moment right now okay let me sorry i just it's just so gross i yeah and um is it me or does Hunter look like the fuck up of the family? Like, honestly, like, I just want to get that out there that this whole like Burisma thing, which we're going to hear a lot mm-hmm, about, mm-hmm. Co- you know, in the coming weeks or the coming months, because I'm sure the Republicans are going to be all well, over. I just, everything yeah, I like don't that. understand why the Democrats are more risk averse around well, Biden because he's so question. implicated in yeah. everything. And I don't know why they wouldn't want to like to me, he's a walking liability. Yeah. And God knows what other shit he and his son have been cooking up. And I'm not saying like believe everything that Trump says about whatever their their interests or what have you. But I mean, it sounds like there may be something there or there may be something that the Republicans certainly will use. Um, as fodder that will detract from. But here's my thing. Everybody's been talking about how um, Sanders will provide the Republicans with ammunition. Look, first of all, anybody who gets to the primary 
is going to provide the Republicans sure. with sure. ammunition. Sure. Yeah, okay? it's just like how viable is that? Get, yeah, you're never going to get a pure candidate. No, okay, because then all of a sudden nobody knows them, and that's a problem. Yeah, right. So that's one. Number two, one of the things that has been in the back of my mind. I feel like I've tweeted this out before. I was just like. Have the Democrats thought this Biden thing through? And the Biden thing through is you're talking about putting a man up against Trump who just emerged, quote unquote, victorious Mm -hmm. from an impeachment having to do with With, Biden Biden and Hunter and Burisma. Like, isn't this okay? Fuck. Fine. I'm not talking about everybody who wants to be Trump. Like, obviously, they're going to come out hard and they're going to vote for whoever, anybody but Trump. Mm -hmm. But here's my problem. If you were sort of kind of half ass, not even, you know, paying attention to impeachment. Right. And you just get like the headlines, meaning that. The headline is the Democrats impeach Trump because of some Hunter Joe Biden thing and he got off Mm -hmm. like for some for a lot of people that's they're not political junkies. Right. Okay. when the Republicans decide that they're going to tell lies, they do tell them with all brute force, I must say. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to lie and they're going to say that Hunter and Joe were cooking up this scheme and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's more of a thing where where some some rich kid fuck up, okay? Yeah. Got um got a seat on a board because he's Joe Biden's son. So we're anyway, but I'm I, not gonna relitigate this. No, no, I'm no, no, no. That, but but I think yeah. too, underlying all of that is also like we're replacing like uh, just, whatever the differences are, we're replacing like one uber wealthy family that uses their connections and doesn't acknowledge any conflict of interest and whatever else for a replica in Joe Biden and yeah. in, in his family. Yeah. Like it's, it's also just, it just seems like they're cut from the same cloth. Like in any other period when Trump was walking around buddying up with Democrats, he was probably, he had, he and Biden could have been in the same room and been chums. Yeah. I feel like they're they cut were. from the same cloth. Like it's I not feel like they were, but this it just uber seems weird powerful, to hedge on that. Yeah, you know these the Democrats love picking these uber powerful families too. Yeah, and um, I find that like when they don't is when they win. You know what I mean? Like the John Kerry didn't win for a reason. You know, is my point, hmm. and. Um, even when the Clintons came in, they weren't an uber powerful Washington family. Right, not that. Not then. Not yeah. then. Yeah. Now they are. But the point is, is that when Democrats pick these people, they lose. Hmm. So I feel like they're going to lose anyway. <laughs> so I think um, so. The Financial Times had a piece that said U.S. voters turn their backs on female candidates. Uh, the 2020 Democratic primary began with a record number of women vying for the chance to run at the U.S. presidency. Of the 29 main Democratic candidates, six were women, including four senators, Warren, Klobuchar, Harris, and Gillibrand, Gillibrand, and Gabbard, and is a congresswoman, and uh, Marianne Wil- Williamson, the motivational speaker. Oh, man. Wasn't she the anti-vaxxer too? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, now just two of them, Warren and Gabbard, remained in the race up until this was obviously written before Friday when Warren dropped out. Um, with little chance of winning the nomination, an especially painful blow for Ms. Warren, who at one point was a front-runner in national polls. Mm-hmm. I really do question these polls, first of all. I mean, it is disappointing that she's dropped off, and I think um, like Biden's late entry in the race probably actually hurt Warren. There's a lot, of the, as we've learned in the last few weeks, there's a lot of Warren-Biden crossover yes. in support. So. Yes, and I think it's because most of Elizabeth Warren's support comes from these you know, at least her core supporter, yeah. these educated Ed, yeah. women yeah. who um, who maybe live in the suburbs where they want to, yeah. you know, get votes, but also could live in Fairfax, Virginia or something or um, on the outskirts of those those pre those I was going to say ridings constituencies mm-hmm. that they have to win. So there is a lot of Biden Warren crossover when one would think it would be a Warren Sanders crossover. But I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack with that. (laughs) And I'll wait. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless you have something to say about that. Like, do you, do you have an idea of why that is? Um, I mean, I think a lot of people, there is a certain degree of class element to it. And yes, I think, you know there there are and there are people who gravitate towards like the credentialist type of candidate yeah um although i don't see how sanders in, is, has any fewer credentials um but i guess he is, ha, does have a working class background even though he's been in the senate for some time yeah his you know his underlying uh you know credentials may not be may not resonate with a certain class of democratic voter um, I think it's a class. I issue. think there's definitely an yeah. element of that, and he's and he's using language that puts off those people. Yeah, and and you know I I think you should never underestimate how much um, people's del- delusion about what class they belong to. Yeah, um, affects them. You know, it's the same the same thing of like attacking billionaires. People are suddenly offended. Well, you know, one like it's not like a fucking. Ri- they're not born in as billionaires, not the fucking like race. I mean, they are, but in a different sense. Um, but this idea that people see themselves as upwardly mobile. And so they have, they they don't want to feel like the attack could one day flip on them. Right. Which is just super fucked up. But I think that betrays who they really are. But it also just goes to show the angst and how and the anxiety and how tenuous those like class is mm. that. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have dropped cl- a class mm-hmm. over the last generation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's pretty evident. Mm-hmm. And so, which would one would think Bernie's message would, you know, of economic inequality and yeah. really calling that out and so on and so forth would actually resonate. But you're yeah. right. People do want to think they're of a higher class than they are mm-hmm. because then they think that they have... Um, uh, uh, a larger buffer between classes. Yeah, yeah. they don't want it, like they're you know the idea of a collapsing middle class and the language is never like oh there's a collapsing middle class everyone's low income the language of politicians is always you're all middle class and we want to strengthen the middle class because absolutely you never want to acknowledge 
um, folks don't want to acknowledge for themselves that they are no longer part of a middle class, that they are, in fact, living paycheck to paycheck, that yeah. their debts, uh, you know, far far outpace their income and all yeah. of these types of things. So yeah. um, it's it's something that people it's a lie that people tell themselves to kind of make it through. And and uh, they yeah, it's it's fucked. But like that's that's the thinking. So how much so. Why are voter? Okay, this sounds like a stupid question, but no, there's a reason. Um, so, you know how in these articles they interview every woman, like a woman here and a woman there. One of the women who talked about, um, uh, who talked in the article, she's from North Carolina. She said she liked Klobuchar and Warren. Mm-hmm. They were the most impressive over Biden or over Sanders but that there was an implicit bias in society that she herself seemed to have fallen victim to, quote, we just don't seem to like accomplished, capable women. As my sister-in-law said, we have to vote for the mediocre man to get the despicable man out of office, end quote. And I have issues with this because that's strategic voting in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, see, we're even screwing ourselves because apparently nobody's allowed to vote for who they think is the best. They have to vote for somebody that they think everybody else is going to vote for so that they feel that their vote is counted. I mean, I think that's felt true for a long time. Yeah. That people, even this idea that people want to be on the winning team. So they'll vote for the winning candidate, even if it's they who they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. That's always been the case um yeah I, I think so and so not that it which is wild because no one knows your vote you can yeah, <laughs> vote your conscience it's not like it's a sports team you don't have to wear the t-shirt you're not sitting in the section of the stadium with the others like you do you know what i mean it's kind of wild and there are a lot of people who will you know in the primary i've noticed a lot of people publicly saying they donated to warren but they voted for bernie and they think both are great like you can do that you don't mm-hmm. have to kind of be all or nothing for one side. Yeah, you don't have to be binary and no. form teams and then battle each other. Yeah, it seems it's it the and we we're seeing that now obviously in the fallout discussion between Warren and Bernie supporters and obviously yeah. there's a lot of overlap and there're a lot of people in the middle who are on neither extreme of that but yeah. saying like yeah, well I mean you in running, you should have always assumed that there would be a second choice right. for people and you would want to attract those people to your camp, whatever the outcome. And this, yeah, and I mean, there's another way to do this, which is, I mean, it's the, for obviously the electoral model that they use for the le- for the primaries is kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, the delegate model, the convention model. I mean, no, and I think a lot of Sanders supporters are especially burned after what happened at the last convention yeah because there were all these super quote-unquote super delegates that had different levels of votes that and then also delegates didn't have to vote with the way that their state voted so a lot of people flipped and the contested nomination ended up being a lot uglier than people thought the contested convention was Mm -hmm. a lot uglier than people expected it would be and so i think a lot of those bernie supporters feel burned by that experience but if they had which is what we have in i know the ndp the conservatives i'm not sure about the liberals have preferential ballots for leadership Mm -hmm. nominations it makes it totally different because and a lot, not in, not entirely. Obviously, sometimes you still will see the cleavages and the infighting happen, regardless. But it forces most camps to at least, like most camps around a candidate, 
be a bit more de- like kind and deferential to other right. candidates and highlight the similarities because you almost are better off being everyone's second choice than you are being some people's first choice because of the way preferential voting works. Isn't that how Andrew Shear got in? Um, it that is the unfortunate sort of. outcome. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you might get an Andrew Shear. Depends how like strong the rest of the candidates are <laughs> and whatever else. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, like I think it it is. A better way to vote in most cases that you you never have an absolute first choice and there should be at least some form of runoff um, and I think in some of the primaries there are runoff votes so I think that in some of the caucuses you could vote but each state is different and each each primary is a little bit different so that's the other thing as well so I have a question I just wonder how much of this um, yeah we like the women but we're not gonna vote for them is kind of like, well, we got burned by Hillary last time, mm. so we're not going to let another woman in, you know, this position, or we're not going to vote for for this other woman who we like because the last woman didn't work out. I mean, there's definitely people who think like that, of course. Like, yeah. there's definitely tons of sexist people, I'm sure, throughout this whole process that have um, had those thoughts. It's never. It's going to be really hard to kind of confront someone because folks probably are doing this on such a subconscious level yeah um there's always be people who might consciously say that but they're the outliers um i think there's definitely an element of that and to be fair um the way you know there there was a lot of animosity and a lot of sexism and obviously trump directed a lot of sexism towards hillary and like the way they positioned themselves like that was obvious that was obviously a factor in the election and the the, the answer shouldn't be we don't never run a woman again that's certainly true um i think for warren though um it was a far a far larger field of candidates this time around like i think in the last uh, primary it was a much narrower field yeah and people were it was like almost like it was hillary's birthright that she get the nomination yeah and so this election I think Warren had to do a lot more across people who were in very divided camps whether like you know when Kamala Harris and and Cory Booker and Julian Castro like there were a lot of actually really interesting candidates this round and it's like and you had you know a very uh, complex debate format and whatever else and she she did get a fair degree of play um, and I think she probably had the respect of a lot of people throughout the nomination in a way that I don't think um, I think Hillary galvanized the like feminist girl power, girl boss sort of mentality in in the last primary in 2016 in a way that Warren didn't because it was a bit overdone and she was up against people who with equal equally bringing diverse perspectives to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so she couldn't quite lean on that in the same way. Right. Um, where I think. Hillary actually exploited that in yeah. a negative way yeah. that like she made everyone feel beholden to electing the first woman. And again, right. like made it all yeah, about like her. And, yes. and again, it was like inevitable. It was, a, it was all about yeah. her as the first female yeah. president in American history. Yeah. That's what That's that whole, the whole campaign was about. It was about. all about that. I'm with yeah. her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Warren yeah. couldn't do that because there were more women in the field and there were more, she wasn't the only wo- woman running. Right. And there were a lot of racialized folks running. Right. Um, and again, like there were some awesome people like Julian Castro was so fucking cool. I love Julian Castro. Like great, again, yeah. great ideas, great yeah. campaign. Like I, a great understanding of the complexities totally, and the nuances. Totally. Of, and he never yeah. like, 
like talked out like he was just very yeah he was a very brilliant guy yeah um you know, it's it's not like she was alone on the stage of being a capable person who was right. often historically overlooked or marginalized. She wasn't. Right. She was sharing that stage with a lot of people who had similar like similar backgrounds and were were due for the the spotlight in that way and mm-hmm. were due f- to get credit for that. Um. So she couldn't kind of exploit the I'm the first woman or I I'm deserving as as a woman. Yeah, um, and, as I think, Hillary and I think did, Hillary yeah. g- grossly exploited that. Um, without any recognition of the like class and other sort of advantages that she had and the privilege that she came with. Do you know how much I hated hearing about Hillary's child advocacy in the 70s? Uh, I was just like... She hasn't done anything since the 70s? Well, that's what I was wondering. I was just like, oh, what has she... Like, what has she done in terms of... um, No, and she was trying to, like, you know, I mean, it's... She was there during the don't ask, don't tell bullshit year. She was like, you know, obviously the uh, huge growth of the the, um, prison industrial complex, like alongside Bill Clinton and all this stuff. Um, And she never really like owned any of that history. And then it was like, oh, look, I want to be all about girl power in this. I know. And it was just, it was very disingenuous. She never owned, and we're saying this especially because Hillary's. uh, uh, there's some documentary about Hillary coming out. I feel yeah, like it's, it's on Hulu. Hulu, yeah. woo! Don't get Hulu here. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. gonna pop up on. Crave, I but, yeah. I know it is. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just I I know I'm gonna end up watching this, and it's just gonna piss me off. Yeah. I know it is I won't because be it. because here's the thing. Well, she's the a way total she, war hawk too. Let's never yes! forget that she was one of the people always championing. She's basically the, David Frum. Yeah. Like, no, seriously, she is, though. She's basically David Frum. And to think that, here's the thing, like, I um, I also think that she manipulated black people, too, in a way, or she tried to, until Black Lives Matter came in mm-hmm. and was like, um, no. Yeah. Right? And so I, I just, Hillary is progressive, quote unquote when it suits her Mm -hmm. she is that is not who she is typical white woman in that regard exactly basically she's white feminism yeah and so you know this there is also this and she she does this too and and white women do this too as we get into talking about international women's day um uh there is this sort of pressure on everybody else Mm -hmm you know every other you owe woman, her like you owe her something yeah. well you owe her your vote because you two are women and i'm like you yeah. where where was the solidarity when you were shitting all over the women your husband um like oh, yeah. harassed yeah. she she, she was spearheading all of that for that it's not like she sat in that she was actually out there going after people during that whole saga and the way she still treats monica lewinsky yeah. i understand fine you don't i get it however you know what you don't have to deride the woman in public absolutely like there's like show some show some uh quote unquote leadership anyway so happy international women's day it's today we're recording on (laughs) international women's day um (laughs) are you like apparently the women's march was last yesterday never been didn't go no same (laughs) same um i'm sure it's fine i just i don't know 
I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who didn't go out for Witsowitan or didn't go out for Catherine McKenna, you know, anything else. Right. Like, I I don't really care. And that's kind of my feeling, too, about the Warren thing. Like, yes, she I loved watching her take down Bloomberg. Like, I loved, loved all of that shit. And I think she is really smart. And she she's definitely a person of substance and she ran one of the most substantive uh, uh, campaigns. But I never got over the fact that she was selling herself as an indigenous woman for years. She Joseph Boyden, that shit. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And like to me, that really betrays who someone is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, years of teaching in Ivy League settings and and consulting for big business. And now she wants to go after the banks. And it's like uh, I'm not saying that you can't your politics can't shift over time. But if. Not until a couple of years ago did you acknowledge that you were misrepresenting your ancestry like yeah. that that rep- like that to me that's a that's a huge huge betrayal. Well, I'm going to pick up from that, and I'm going to talk about what I've seen is that um, I'm not really I do an eye roll on International Women's Day now because um, like we all know it's just you know a corporate circle jerk and. Um, also, I see a lot of hypocrisy mm-hmm. in uh, feminism in Canada. I'm going to talk about Canada, especially. Let's switch gears. <laughs> yeah, like especially. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's a huge intersectional issue with Wet'suwet'en, mm-hmm. with missing and murdered Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. And had people gotten past the word of fucking genocide yeah. in the executive summary, they'd know why. Mm-hmm. And what I see, or let me say what I don't see. I don't see a lot of, of, of funded women's organizations or, um, you know, women with power mm-hmm. or... I'm not talking about the grassroots. No, no. At there all. are a lot of people doing great activism there is, and they're yeah. part of that march. And yeah. it's not about that. It's more about the like, yeah, wi- International Women's Day TM, like every brewery, yes. every organization is doing an International Women's Day event. And it's like, sure. But like, to what end? Shell is went to Shell for one day. What? Did you see this? No. Shell. Shell. Oh, OK. OK. I don't Let me know. tell you. No, no, no. I just want to tell, I just want to acknowledge some of these layers. Mm-mm. Shell, an oil company, Mm-mm. okay, decided that on International Women's Day, they were going to put an apostrophe between Mm-mm. the E and the L, Mm-mm. and it's shield for one day. Ew. Yeah. Okay. And let's, like, I don't even want to hit on the oil Mm-mm. slash pipeline yeah. slash indigenous yeah. Yeah. slash missing and murdered. Yeah. And, slash, not, and, slash, and, slash and all the plus. wars fought over. Anyway, exactly. Yeah. And the environmentalism yeah. and environmental yeah. justice or Jesus. anything like that. But wow. there's a whole lot of shit just tied into that fuckery. Mm. And this is what I'm tired of. And this is it's the TM. It is the TM. Mm-hmm. It is the IWD TM. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, and we are, every year is getting worse for women, basically. Yeah. Since 2016. Just palpably worse. And all we get on International Women's Day is not, holy shit, shit has gotten worse. Femicides are up, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, women still aren't, you know, taking part of the in the economy 
as they should in other in other words with collective power and in fact the whole world collective is missed out of international women's day or any women's thing these days so that's yeah sure i mean i I just sign all of that i i just i'm just upset and i don't know why i'm upset but i just find that every year gets fundamentally worse because it's what, just been so co-opted now it's just a, like it feels very commercial yeah i mean it, feels it was empty. not even a year or two years ago now with the the van attack in toronto it's yeah. like you don't i feel like there isn't as much of a movement around challenging men's rights activism and it's all about again we're kind of back to that like I can't remember what the wording of this year's theme was like each but each each, but like it's like what does that fucking mean and it's kind of like the he for she stuff that like Emma Watson was doing with the UN so a lot of this like we have to come together and I just want to be like well yeah let's come together and rally against like men's rights activism and like call it for what it is yeah like do like really like do some shit but it's very low-hanging fruit idea of what equality or equity is supposed to be I just I'm just like, if you're a feminist and you're not out there for indigenous rights and you're not out there for, you know, um, to for greater accessibility for physical accessibility, mental accessibility, class accessibility, whatever. um, If you're not out there for uh, some of these other issues that we're seeing now, even the coronavirus Mm -hmm. has its own gendered, you know, effects. If that's not what we're doing, then what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. I struggle right now to even remember what we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. I struggle. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's trans inclusive. Well, that, that's yeah, that's the other issue. I feel like um, a lot of like there's a lot of important things that we need to be contending with, including people passing themselves off as feminists but being trans exclusionary is like mm-hmm. kind of a growing area like it's like they're more emboldened than ever to, yeah. to spread trans misogyny and, and, and whatever I feel else like they're and more they're, no one's really by, confronting it yeah and i on. feel like more they're more not emboldened. no one obviously the trans community yeah, but i think yeah. we should be doing way more as allies and i think a lot of people have ceded a lot of space yes. to these turfs yes yeah. yes and i feel like the turfs and the men's right activists are kind of parallel in that like in this idea of what womanhood is or should be or something like that there's let's just say i feel like there is there are parallels there where there shouldn't be but there are Mm -hmm. and you know so many things we've had to confront like we are having to confront um i i just i don't know what we're i i don't know who's beside me anymore mm-hmm. i think that's what it is yeah that's a good way of putting it okay we're now on to rant and receipts amy all right okay so um for my rant um this is probably something that maybe not a lot of people are fully aware of but i think is really important to kind of draw some uh, awareness to it um there 
is a private member's bill um, in the Ontario um, legislature at Queen's Park that would introduce a new um, definition of anti-Semitism. And the definition comes from the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, the um, IHRA. um, And it's an organization that's trying to kind of combat anti-Semitism, which is totally awesome and important to do. Um, But the definition that's proposed has a whole host of implications for anyone um, doing or promoting Palestinian rights. Um, And it's essentially the definition conflates anti-Semitism with um, with challenging Israel's Zionist policies and war crimes and humanitarian crimes against Palestinians. And so it would the bill was brought um, as a private member's bill. It's already sort of being used to silence um, profs and students doing activism around Israeli apartheid week on campuses. The definition, for example, the definition of anti-Semitism is fine, but then it lists a bunch of examples of anti-Semitism, including um, critiquing the state of Israel or calling the state of Israel racist or or, um, against essentially yeah any sort of criticism of Israel um, and comparing contemporary Israeli policy um to um to uh, genocide or apartheid um, which obviously is super damaging for um academics for civil rights activists and but it's mostly it also criminalizes probably myself and others who have um done any advocacy or have palestinian identity and want to challenge the state of israel right it's very sort of colonialist perspective um, of racism it's being used as a weapon against certain people as opposed to a definition of anti-semitism that would actually um, bridge oppressive groups together and help us challenge racism um, more structurally it's being used to weaponize against other folks who are facing other forms of racism, um, very real racism that that's felt, um, especially by Palestinians there and Palestinians here as well. Yeah. Um, I almost think it's, 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 it in itself is a, is a new form of Islamophobia. Yeah. And it's also kind of anti-Semitic to say that all Jewish people have the same view of Israel as well. Yeah. Like that's really reductionist. And, it and is and, totally and reductionist. The, and the people bringing the, the largest challenge to this um, in Canada's uh, independent Jewish voices. And not only does IJV independent Jewish voices do a lot of great activism and work around Palestine, but they do a lot of great work around anti-Semitism and other um, issues affecting the Jewish community um, uh, like here in Canada. So, you know, and there's groups in the U S that are challenging this definition as well, which is sort of being internationally adopted in different spaces, including like not in our name to Jewish organization again, that challenges the state of Israel. And I think for a lot of people, the fact that like being Zionist and being Jewish are not synonymous and there's yeah. a whole host of Jewish identities. Um, yeah. And and also Israel as a state is also has racist policies towards black Jews and yeah. other folks who come yeah. in. So it's, it's been not very, it's very bad to Ethiopian absolutely. Jews. Absolutely. So yeah. it's very complicated. Yeah. And so to say that this you can't critique the state of Israel as having racist policies, um, I think is really This smells damaging. conservative. It's very conservative. It's going to be used to thwart 
um, Palestinian activism on campus first and foremost. It's going to be used as a tool to silence people. It's completely against any sort of ideas of civil liberties, like civil liberties and freedom of speech. And of course, no freedom of speech activists like Jordan Peterson and the like are out there challenging it because it's being used in this way. Yeah. Um, and so I think really what we're... What happened to free speech? Yeah. Um, it's tough though. Like, so there's the vote, uh, the vote on that. Well, I'll just say this. There are similar um, definitions adopting this IRA definition have been brought to um, Calgary and Montreal and they didn't pass there because people were able to organize and challenge the definition. And, and it's not to say that there isn't a need for, um, uh, again, anti-Semitism, um, a work around challenging anti-Semitism because it's very prevalent. Like it's real. I mean, someone fucking unfurled an, uh, a Nazi flag at a Bernie at a Sanders Bernie rally. Sanders, like yeah. this shit is yeah. real. I and mean, of course, you didn't hear a lot so much about that. And I that's what's so that. damning. I noticed that. Which we, is let, why we let like real a- exercise of anti-Semitism go unaddressed constantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then when it's someone who's Palestinian or someone who's more mar- but, marginalized but, but than Amy. Like, it's because it's done by white people and that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and that's kind of the issue too, provincially. Like at the yeah. lack of, sorry, I'm, no, I'm no, just no, going to no. tell. No, 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 Bernie Sanders thing. I, yeah. I really, I, I'm really shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody knows I'm like nobody's fan. I like, I like Elizabeth Warren, but you know, I also recognize, you know, the indigenous voices who are like, uh, this bitch is problematic. You know what I mean? Like she, she Joseph Boyden her way through yeah, yeah, yeah. her entire yeah. career. I recognize it. I get it. I acknowledge it. And I agree. Now, when it comes to see Bernie Sanders, whose parents are Holocaust survivors, whose parents are Holocaust survivors. I just started watching, watching Hunters too. And we had this discussion too. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that they were Holocaust survivors um somebody uh and and basically a neo-nazi came to one of his rallies and waved a nazi flag at one of his rallies and i literally am shocked at how little Mm -hmm. coverage Mm -hmm. that got i saw it more on twitter and this is like don't don't chide people for getting part of their news on twitter Okay. No, because I mean, that's the at, only way you hear about stuff like exactly. This. Yeah. And the, then the wash like I saw a Washington Post piece on it, but it wasn't talked about on Sunday news. Programs. I think to me, it's like it's so it's first of all, it's so flagrant to do that. But also, it just generally, I think like Sanders's Jewish identity has been extremely underplayed. Yeah. To the extent that like it's one, it's historic. His run is historic. Yeah. His whole history and his um role in different and his perspective on civil rights is informed by that and we should talk about it and he and he talks about it openly and i think his his candidacy like it's just so powerful for that like that history but no one like the history of his family and being first generation and coming from such a like dark experience um and how that informs his view on civil rights like Mm -hmm. that's so important and yet i feel like people are very ill-equipped to talk about that Mm -hmm. um in public spaces and then you get these sorts and i'm sure he's seen and his campaign has experienced even more hate crimes that weren't publicized that we don't know anything about and then at the same time Bloomberg's campaign is tweet is taking posters of graffiti on their campaign offices in flint michigan 
because the people are like attacking him as a billionaire and being like, this is unacceptable. Like, da 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 da. You're like, these things are not that, like, not that they're conflating them, but it's like, that's not the same. That, but, <laughs> but like, those types of reactions, it's like, if we talked more about the hate crimes that the Sanders ex- campaign experiences, I think we'd, we, like, it needs to be confronted instead of, you know, but instead you've got like news cycles around Bloomberg being attacked as a billionaire. It's like Bloomberg got way too much news on his yeah. shit. Anyway, part, carry because on. Because he paid for it in part. But like, obviously, yeah. You know, yeah. anyway, I, it, it's just, it, there's no downplaying how much anti-Semitism happens, but there's also so much racism happening and on the rise in xenophobia and is, you know, in, in grotesque levels. Um, and that's why it's so frustrating when you see the conservatives cut funding for the anti-racism strategy um, and any funding for for organizations combating anti-racism, but then putting in a private member's bill um, by, um, you know, someone who is in, like, it's a private member's bill from someone who's in cabinet. So it's not really a private member's bill. Do you know what I mean? It's got clout, but it's like their way of getting around that and saying, like, look, we're addressing racism when really it's not, it's it's a divide and conquer strategy of like pitting oppressed people against each yep. other and then you know like using it as leverage really not to address anti-semitism um it's actually to, to silence, silence. Si- you know civil rights discourse and palestinian solidarity discourse um and so it's it's frustrating uh, the ndp um to my shock and dismay there are a lot of abstentions but a lot of folks voting to um, refer it to committee. So it's mm. past second reading. It's going to go to committee. And I think there's a lot we can do to pressure the NDP and, and even, um, you know, conservatives and, and folks to either change the definition to remove the examples. Cause the definition is fine. It's these examples that refer to critiquing the state of Israel um, or, or come up with a real anti-racism strategy, like and real funding. Like this is just in name only. And again, it's just to pit people against each other. It's so, so transparent. It's so not, fucked up. Does that mean we're not critiquing Iran anymore? Well, it, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, well, I'm, I'm like, no, but part of it, can I tell you what yeah. part of it is like the way it's written? It's like, you can't, critique israel more than you would critique another state and you can't call israel a racist state well you know what i call canada a racist state like this is again made from a perspective a certain colonial perspective um that statehood can't be questioned when you know folks were stripped of of statehood in certain areas or never had statehood because of colonial powers and at the same time like you have I mean, the NDP is complicit in the suppression of, um, like, you know, Wet'suwet'en territorial rights and, and land rights. Yeah. Um, and but I think we need to, like, interrogate interrogate that further because, you know what, we live in a racist state and I want to yeah. be able to say that. So if you tell me that the definition of anti-Semitism is I can't call Israel a racist state and I can't call out its colonial policies. Can I, and tomorrow you're going to tell me that I can't do the same about Canada. Yeah. And like I can't, yeah. you know, talk about it's the beginning. Well, yeah. it's all part of it. Like yeah. and there, there is a certain protecting of, of of the nation state's integrity as an entity yeah. from from these types of um, critiques and calls like and dissent and and challenges um, and again, we're, it's all it's all part and parcel. I mean, the Israel modeled its system of oppression against Palestinians after Canada. That's like not even an embellishment. It's literally they attribute attribute it and so did South Africa, right? So like it all comes back to Canada's 
style of, of dividing of, dividing land and having certain um, right. paternalistic right like, oh, you know over control and uh, and you know yeah, the yeah, reserve know, system and you. the division and and all of that and and not honoring treaties and everything else that like all it, it, it academics have written about this it's not a mystery and of course part of this is they don't want you to talking about it and they yeah. don't want you to talking about how canada was also devised in this way whoops so i wrote something about recently <laughs> so whoops and you know and you know how they're going to implement it surveillance Oh, I'm sh- I'm sure. I mean, already and l- already, there's so much propaganda online. The Israeli government's also really good, like through official government channels on Twitter, surveil and monitor people, and like challenge, like and go out there and like, you know, attack certain folks online and like pull people's stuff off online, and and of course the surveillance and the of the folks in the West Bank and activists in the West Bank mm-hmm. and in Israel is like real and felt. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that. Um, anyway, the idea that Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East is like largely but, been debunked for these reasons. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is a very anti-democratic view on on um, civil disobedience and discourse and civil rights and civil liberties. So, um, but that's real there, and Jewish activists feel it just as much as Palestinians do. Right, they're criminalized as well for for speaking out, um, right. and that that like that's all super fucked up. Yeah, um, but it is disappointing to see the NDP as well support the bill. I think they feel that because it's about anti-Semitism, they're going to look bad if they challenge it. Um, well, but, I, I literally... But you, you have to be smarter than that, right? Literally, I am starting to ask myself, what's the difference between the NDP and the liberals, especially with this Wet'suwet'en, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. There's issue. a lot of cowardice. There's a lot of cowardice. John Horgan has been the spearheading this this atrocity. Yeah. And, you know, but I... I you know, I, I'm sure we'll have time. To, I'm sure there'll be time to talk about that. Um, I, you know, this is, this is not, this is by design. Mm-hmm. It is designed to silence and criminalize, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. And that is what is so um, scary about it is yeah. because then they're going, then we already have the police powers from yeah. C fifty one, yeah, for sure. To surveil, monitor, and you know who knows when they're gonna yeah. put snipers up on roofs and yeah. stuff because you're the threat. But even just the policing of your identity, I mean, it, to bring it back, I think Bernie Sanders is another is a great example for this as well. Someone who is has critiqued Israel wholeheartedly and supported Palestinian yeah. rights who's been called self-hating and called this and that and the other thing called not a real Jew yeah. and all of this stuff yeah. which is just disgusting he has obviously has the support of a lot of great Palestinian activists including um, and, and including Rashida Tlaib the new congresswoman yeah so we're, we're gonna use a certain definition of anti-semitism to strip Jews and Palestinians of their identities which and, and of their then, politics and then their citizenship and, and you know right and like homogenize them to serve what the Israeli state and to serve the preservation of the Canadian state and the American state as like you know more powerful than any other like it just it just it's fucked it's just so fucked it is and it's all meant to di- like to um disrupt and suppress um indigenous and other like social movements yeah so, like all it's made for so like don't buy this bullshit that it's there to protect jewish people from anti-semitism no it's not there's no money attached to it. it's just a definition uh, there's not like there's an anti-semitism task force that's going to go out and protect 
you know, and and actually criminalize and go after people who do commit these hate crimes. Right. They have no interest in doing that. They don't do that as it is now. Mm -hmm. And it's not for lack of a definition. Yeah. It's because they don't give a fuck about racialized people. Right. You know, religious minorities, except when. They want to use us against I, I, to leverage against each other. We're and, useful pawns. Yeah. Yeah. We're useful pawns for white supremacy. Yeah. Exactly. And this is just yet again how white supremacy, you know, it um, it baits its switch, switches, it shucks, it drives. It um, it is it is full of lies and it makes people feel it's intended to pit people against each other so that you do not uh, endanger the state, period. Yeah. Or especially resource extraction from the state, uh, f- benefiting the state, by the way. So I'm going to stay on the West Bank, Israel area. Okay. And I'm going to come up with something a bit obscure that I'm sure nobody has even... But I did post it. Okay. So Amazon is offering free shipping to highly contentious Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank. So think about... We didn't coordinate this at all. No, 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 no. But I was just like, what am I going to say? And then once you started, I was just like, yeah, (laughs) let's go with this. Because I'm sure nobody's heard this. Okay. But only their Palestinian neighbors, if they list their country as Israel... But only to their Palestinian neighbors, if they list their country as Israel. So... In other words, um, Palestinian customers who select their address as the Palestinian territories and not Israel, even even if it's the same address, by Mm -hmm. the way, are subject to shipping and handling fees upwards of $24 per package. So um, if the customer within the Palestinian territories enters their address and selects Israel as the country, they can receive free shipping through the same promotion. So today, the West Bank is home to 460,000 Israelis who live in settlements widely considered illegal by the international community. Um, There's been a lot of, you know, fighting and disagreement over these territories. And I won't get into, you know, Netanyahu and, you know, his heart on for that. But anyway, all this to say that um, same promotion, same address, different prices uh, for shipping, depending on whether or not you choose Israel or Palestinian territory. This is discrimination uh, based on identity, like at its basis, uh, human rights campaigners said that by offering the discount exclusively to these addresses, Amazon was wading into a geopolitical dispute that is increasingly creating two sets of rules for two increasingly intertwined populations. So until last year, Amazon existed in Israel only as a means to buy from international sellers a limitation that meant high prices and long delivery times. That changed in 2019 as the company courted local sellers to use the platform to sell locally and globally, as well as launching a Hebrew, a Hebrew language version of its website in August. Uh, retail prices in Israel are notoriously high compared to incomes. Little domestic competition for consumer goods makes Amazon's arrival welcome. 
Um, but, you know, and Amazon's not the first to be discriminatory to when it comes to the West Bank and West Bank settlements. In 2018, home rental website Airbnb removed listings in the region following outrage from Palestinian officials and human rights groups only to reverse that decision less than a year later after Israeli pressure mounted. So uh, it's not only that the rules are set up in furtherance of white supremacy. Mm -hmm. It is also that companies follow those rules Mm -hmm. and they create these discriminatory policies because of those signals. So that's basically my rant is that it doesn't stop at not, (laughs) not that this is not a good enough reason, but it doesn't just stop at human rights. It goes into every aspect of life. Yeah. And that is the whole point of fighting this at the root Mm -hmm. is so that it doesn't bleed into other areas of life where I'm paying like $25 for Amazon to ship something and my like next door neighbor who says they're from Israel and chose is Israel in the little drop down menu gets free shipping. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And think of the added tax. It's a tax. Mm -hmm. It's a tax from identifying yourself Mm -hmm. as Palestinian. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, but it, it's like it's such a simple but um, telling example of why people say it is kind of, you know, w- w- how that apartheid system of discrimination works. Yeah. Um, I mean, for settlements in the West Bank, they're completely different um, roads for Israeli settlers to drive down, newly mm. built highways, no checkpoints, no nothing. And then Palestinians are in completely different roads checkpoints at every stop you can't go from one palestinian village to the next without going through a checkpoint um, while israelis can come and go between the west bank and israel and anywhere they want on completely separate roads wow. um you know they'll get stopped and they'll have um you know they'll, they they are periodically stopped especially going into israel and and spoken to by the idf but it's like high by and they've just let them through no car searches no humiliating strip searches no going through the gates at the checkpoints none of that um and so to see it in online commerce as well like in this kind of perverse way it's um like you know anyway it's just an it's in every part of society there is is divided in these ways yeah um and the the set like the the settler um you know infiltration of the west bank and taking over and annexing land for settlers is is making that much much worse yeah it does sound like canada yeah right it sounds a lot it sounds very familiar yeah yeah all right, so that is our episode for this week. Uh, thank you, Amy. It's so good to have you on again. <laughs> I'll be back, I hope. You're always welcome. Thank you. Always, always, always. Um, check us out uh, at our various social media um, outlets. Uh, I'm not going to name them all. They'll be in the show notes. You guys know we're at Bad and Bitchy, at Bad and B Pod and stuff like that. So, because you guys are subscribers. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's it. Happy International Women's Day, everybody, even though we just torched it. <laughs> um, make sure your feminism is 365. 
that's basically and make sure that you understand how feminism is not just its own silo topic mm-hmm. it bleeds into everything mm-hmm. as we were just talking mm-hmm. about because things affect men and women differently policy events social issues etc and we really need to figure out what the fuck we're fighting for and what fights that we're willing to undertake anyway until later everybody bye, bye. 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 bye.